that day my friends oh was it that's right we're a riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 135 for a better tomorrow written by ted sullivan and greg murray directed by the one and only gregory smith yeah ephraim ephraim from Ephraim Brown from everwood yes because i know you forgot the name of the I show forgot the name of the show everwood Coming up from the Berlanti Company and making good, directing things. And we have to pause because the dog wants her snack. We have to pay a toll. All right, that's done. Yep, she got what she needed. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like you were going to say something. <laughs> I plan to say a lot of okay. things. Okay. I wrote a lot of them down. I have so many notes about this episode. <laughs> uh, so. Our our episode starts off mm-hmm. with Jughead narration. We haven't had that in a yes. while. This episode is that old Riverdale. If you've been missing the old Riverdale, this one's got it. We got Jughead narrating. Yeah. Mystery shit happening. There's team-ups. And it's so overstuffed in a way we <laughs> haven't had in forever. My thumbs were falling off we, making these notes. We had to... So... We had to pause. We had to make commercial breaks for ourselves. Yes, just to catch up. Because I couldn't notate fast enough. So, so this is so, going to be a big one. So so we we open with uh, Jughead at the movie theater mm-hmm. with kids making out around him. Yep. There with his besties, though. He's there with Ethel. He's there with Dilton. He's there with Ben. Good old Ben Button. And talking about how the, the real perk to, to dating like the uh, someone who owns a movie theater, you get to see all the movies for free. And he's watching them. There's a giant ant attack. I appreciate this. What I don't appreciate, he has zero scenes with Veronica. No scenes with Veronica. <laughs> Not movie. a single moment. None. None. Uh, so, so him and his pals, they leave the theater having a great time. And as they do... The mysterious melting man appears. He do- he shows up and he turns the whole world black and white. Ah, with a title card of the mysterious melting man. Ah, and and his man kind of zombie walking towards him, and, and bef- with just like his flesh melting off. And before he can get too far, Sheriff Keller shoots him dead. And this man is so leaky. And and not leaky He's... with, like, blood. Like, leaky oh. with, like, bubbling, like, goo. A thin, runny goo. And apparently, Sheriff Keller's like, oh, man, this man was a vagrant, and he has leprosy. That's why, that's what happens to your blood when you have leprosy. And, uh... Ethel is is being comforted, uh, uh, terrified in the arms of Ben Button, those big strong arms. And, and I'm like, are they? Are they? Yeah. A th-? And they are a thing. They find out they're a thing later. Uh, but she's saying to Ben, he's wearing the same uniform my dad was wearing when he worked at the Maple Factory. <laughs> so of course, why? What a comment, Ethel. Not anything about how this man is boiling alive. <laughs> Just. My dad had those same overalls. <laughs> Very distinct overalls. I don't know. Maybe they're a particular color we don't know because it's black and white now. And so Jughead's like, mm, I knew Dr. Curdle was a fan of Pep Comics and they were hard to come by. So uh, unless you had an in, you couldn't get your hand on them, which means they're a perfect bribe. This man used to be bribed by money. By cash money, like a normal creep. He is totally happy to just get some pep comics, and then he's like, yeah, let me let me tell you that uh, your melting man had uh, acute radiation poisoning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, the, the comic is titled Things in Darkness. Oh. <laughs> very, very vague. And when Jughead finds out about the radiation, he's like, jeepers, 
nuclear atomic. <laughs> uh, as, as the plot thickens, he tells Dr. Curdle Jr., quote, that stinks like a rotten fish. And so Dr. Curdle's like, he, this dude was an employee of the Maple Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this from his autopsy, because <laughs> he just smelled of maple. He's, he's all crystallized in there. The sugar got him. Uh, but before we can learn more, we have to go over to Betty. And the Cooper's house is back in color, thank goodness. And and she comes down and she's like, oh, Ethel, you ready to head off to school? And Alice is all like, I can drive you. And she's like, no, you're not going to drive me. Also, we have driver's training, so you're like never going to drive me anywhere ever again. And there's a sun title card and everything turns black and white as it says Betty Cooper in driver's education. <laughs> But then, before anything else can happen, we cut over to to Frank being like, Reggie, great news! I got you in summer basketball camp! <laughs> and then it's time for this scene to turn black and white with the title card that says, Shipping Out! <laughs> and Teddy's like, hey, you Shakespeare! <laughs> no summer camp for poetry! What you gonna do? I don't huh? think that's huh? true! I think that probably is. I I understand that Frank wouldn't know about it, but I bet if you, like, really looked really hard. And Mary's like, well, he can work at Pops or, like, help me at the dress shop. There's plenty of stuff to keep him busy. And Frank's like, oh, the dress shop. Oh. Oh, you're going to do the accounting with your vagina? Oh. Oh. (laughs) Shut the fuck up, Frank. So then we cut over to Julian and Cheryl, and he's like, let's motor, sis. Train's leaving with or without. But then they're interrupted as they see their father saluting a general. Mm -hmm, And they're mm -hmm. like, what? And their father's like, children, let's go see the gift the general brought me. It is a jade sculpture of the demon Moloch. (laughs) And he he describes this little idol saying, you know... My friend Moloch here fucking loves child sacrifice. It's the only thing that calms him down. You should, quote, you should keep Moloch in mind. (laughs) And then all the color drains out. And a title card comes up that says Project Moloch. That's the last color we're going to see until the the final moments of this episode. So now we're back with Jughead and Ethel. And he's like, hey, you told Ben that was like your dad's uniform. What did your dad do at the Maple Factory? He was a janitorial type worker, except when he was sick. And like, he had a lot of aches and pains. And he had a lot of joint pain and muscle pain. His hair was falling and, out. And so that's why mom says he started drinking. <laughs> oh, because of all of the symptoms of radiation poisoning. Is that why? Cool, cool. And Jughead's like, you know. Him and, and the the Melty Man and and Brad Rayberry like all worked at the Maple Factory and died. All right, we still don't know who killed Brad Rayberry forever ago. We're doing just a silly one now when there's not a lot of time left to name the fucking serial killer. <laughs> and so Jughead's like, obviously the Blossoms are up to something. Uh, and Ethel's just like, you know, Jughead, it's really nice that, like, you're trying to solve this, but I'm just ready to move on with my life. Like, I got a car for Miss Teen Riverdale. I'm getting my license. Like, things are looking up in the world of Ethel. She she talks about how she's dating, uh, uh, Ben Button, and he's like, wait, you're dating Ben Button? Like, our Ben Button? You were sitting right next, you saw what I saw. (laughs) She's going to date the one dude who recognizes she's alive. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're interrupted. Dilton's too busy pining for Betty. (laughs) But they're interrupted because Dilton's dad Mm -hmm. rushes, uh, comes into the class and he's like, hey, everyone. He is the science teacher after all. This is normal for him. It's his job. (laughs) The mayor has told me I must show you this film of a bomb going off so you know what to do if a bomb ever goes off in Riverdale. This part is less normal, but yeah. And so they they watch. 
And this is like actual archival video of, of a duck and cover style, like PSA. We don't see the little turtle. They don't yeah. say duck and cover in the film. Jughead does in the very next scene, but it's, you would recognize this film. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so we get close-ups of them all watching it and everything, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we cut to the student lounge where everyone, everyone is fucking there. It's so crowded. Oh my god. And Archie's like, jeepers, that Atomic Bomb movie really gave me the Zoros. The Zor- You're making shit up now. That's not real. No one says that. What does that mean? Ted Sullivan, Greg Murray, account for yourselves, gives me the Zoros. Does, is that like- you feel like you got sliced with a sword? Is that like, oh my gosh, I'm quivering because this man is so sexy. I don't know what that means. That movie makes me afraid of the consequences of mistreating uh, uh, laborers in, in colonial sp- in the colonial Southwest. Oh no. I don't. Don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I started to Google it, and we're getting a whole lot of other meetings for that bullshit. <laughs> we're getting modern day meetings, and we're not going there. Oh, Catherine Zeta Jones got her some Zoros. I, I saw that movie. So, so Jughead is really, really affected by this movie, and yes. he's like, "Oh my god, you guys! Like, haven't you seen like the you know footage from Japan? Mm-hmm. Like." This is serious. If a bomb went off here, we'd all be vaporized. We would all die. So everyone talks about how, hey, not me. <laughs> not all- <laughs> me, because I have a secret place I can go. Veronica. She has sh- a submerged city beneath the Pembroke. <laughs> she's going to the sub-sub basement of the Pembroke. Cheryl, she's going to take shelter in the Blossom Mines. Yeah, those damp creaky abandoned mines and and talks about turning it into a love nest with tony yeah real, uh, real down low you two reggie is might be my favorite because he's like i'm gonna go to duck creek we got a really deep well there <laughs> i'm gonna get in the well like, what how, how about archie planning to get in his jalopy and out drive the blast he's just gonna head west because those clouds can't reach the rockies yet neither, neither are you car. you're gonna fucking die You'll be vaporized. <laughs> or or is the best Kevin who's like, no, Kevin. <laughs> I hear if you get in the refrigerator, you'll be fine. And what I love is Benny's like, but what about food and water? And he's like, I'll be in a refrigerator. <laughs> and quite honestly, I think Kevin's the only one that's going to make it. <laughs> he's the only one. He's the only one that's got a solid plan. He's going to have food and water. It's fine. <laughs> So, so yeah, some, someone but, brings up, like, actual fallout shelters. Clay. Clay. Clay, Clay is the only one that, like, knows everything about fallout shelters. And Bob's, he's like, you know, in some parts of the Red country line, and in yeah. places, they they have fallout shelters. They have bomb shelters that the, I'm immediately... There's some, like, conspicuous close-ups on Dilton who's not talking in this scene. He's just like, mm, mm, mm. And maybe, maybe if the bomb never came, we could... Use it as some sort of sex hole, you know? You know! <laughs> so then we we go to Clay and Kevin outside school. Well, that, that scene is the end of our pre-titles oh, yeah. uh, uh, sequence. Yes. And the titles are also monochrome. Yes. But with our, like, uh, uh, throwback cursive, you make that black and white. It just kind of looks like chrome. Yes. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. Chrome time. Yeah. Chrome time. Uh, yeah, so Clay and Kevin are outside of school with a Boy Scout handbook, uh, and Kevin is trying Excuse to... Excuse me, Adventure Scouts. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Kevin is trying to learn to tie knots. Very common. A totally yes. normal thing to do with your lunch hour. And Archie's like, oh, what you guys doing? Oh, a sailor's knot. I, I, let me show you how to do that. And he's like, why are you guys practicing this? Like, knots aren't going to help you if there's a bomb. Because they are planning for their lives. They want to ship out to sea and join the Merchant Marine together. Yeah. <laughs> I. There's a lot of winking happening between them when they talk about the Merchant Marines. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to go study for the test at the YMCA while we're at it. I, mm, yeah, we're going to be on a boat with men. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my friend Dorothy. We're very good friends of Dorothy. Clay's like, you know, Archie, you might be keen on this, too. 
lots of writers do this to get like, you know, exposure to the world. And Archie's like, man, I want to get away from my uncle. So this like, seems like a great idea. I also love tying knots. <laughs> Just as a hobby. He likes to tie knots. I do love tying knots. There is a hamster in this boy's brain just running around on a little wheel. <laughs> I love knots. So like s- marine, like sailor, rock climber. Mm, he could be a rock Which climber. Which one? I I do enjoy. There there are a number of like season one or, or early season callbacks in this episode. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite one, the very subtle one of I'm going to escape Uncle Frank by going to the place where Uncle Frank originally came from in, in what, season three? Yeah. 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 Uh, we go visit all the ladies who are in Ladies Driver's Ed. <laughs> Which uh, is separate. They segregate Driver's Ed. Taught by Miss Grundy. Uh Uh-huh. The lady teacher. Uh, And so they all got their little, like, you know, the screen is projecting driving, and they're all at their little, like, desktop steering wheels. Miss Grundy has invented the simulator. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I I love the spring-loaded brake pedal they all have. It's very cute. And she makes them all do hand signals in unison. I mean, isn't this actually how driver's training was at some point in time around then? Like, I thought this is based on, like, truth. I, oh, I can hope so. I hope so. And so she gives them a whole speech about how driving is not a right. It's a privilege. Ladies, you are the drivers of tomorrow. It's very pep talky. Mm-hmm. And so that night she doesn't give them any homework because she needs them to rest because tomorrow they're going to get in a real car and practice parallel parking. They live in the sticks. There is no parallel parking. No. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, as someone who lived in the sticks, I had to drive four towns over to find a spot to try parallel parking in because <laughs> it didn't exist. Though now I'm a great parallel parker, let me tell you. We live in freaking Chicago. It's all parallel parking. I am a master. You're very good, dear. I'm very good. You've gotten a lot of practice over the last decade. Yes, it was terrifying (laughs) when I first started. Like, my God. So it's dinner time at the Archie's home. Andrew's home. Yes. Which is Archie's home, to be yes. fair. And so Mary is like, hey, boys, how was school? And Reggie's like, well, we watched a movie that told us what to do if the Russians drop a bomb. <laughs> and Archie's like, yeah, and I decided I'm going to be a merchant marine. <laughs> and the thing is, is none of this is me making fun of the dialogue. This is absolutely how it went. <laughs> it sounds like an eventful day there, Arch. <laughs> And Mary's like, oh, that's nice. As long as you go to college, though, afterwards. And Frank's like, no, this is better than college. He'll get away from all that poetry bullshit. And Archie's like, actually, this is for poetry. A lot of beats become Marines to learn about the world. Quote, you'd know that if you ever cracked open a book. Damn, Archie, ice cold. Archie is going for it. Fuck that racist uncle you got. Frank did not break his beer bottle and stab Archie. (laughs) He would have like eight episodes ago. (laughs) If Mary hadn't been at the table, Archie would have been against a wall with a broken bottle against his throat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Dilton goes to visit Jughead in his home. He Mm -hmm. still lives in the fancy train car. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, so... After Melty Man, after the bomb, you have seen Worried. Uh, I want you to not worry because you're my best friend. We are comic buddies. Yes. I'm going to take care of you and keep take- you safe. I got you, man. I got you. You and, rely on me. And Jughead's like, what? Let me show you my sex hole. <laughs> That's exactly it. He takes him to the sex hole. I was it's so been excited. so long since we've seen I'm the so sex excited. hole. So excited. <laughs> Didn't I say, like, last time that, like, when they did the the bomb video thing, I was like, I bet we're going to get the sex hole back. This is the opportunity. If they don't do it, Mm -hmm. here we are. Here we are. So he he takes them right down that hole. And uh, Jughead's like... Dilton's going to take care of him. Yeah. Take care of him so good. 
And so Jug has like, um, hey, why'd your dad build this? What is, what does the high school science teacher know that we don't? Uh, <laughs> and what he knows is that a few years before Ethel's parents died, Mr. Muggs came to his dad. Yes. As the local scientific expert. With a rock. And was like... A shiny rock? What, what is this? Uh, Mr. Blossom has a shit ton of this. What is it? And you know what it is? It's palladium. It's palladium. And, <laughs> and Dilton informs us that palladium is mostly harmless until it's in its purest state. And then, and then, it can be as destructive as a hydrogen bomb. This is false. <laughs> this is not a true statement. It's not real. There are radioactive uh, uh, and fissionable isotopes of palladium. Palladium-107 is the most common of them. It is the least radioactive of the seven long-lived fission products. It has a half-life of six and a half million years. <laughs> It has a fission yield when used in a uranium bomb, about 5% that of plutonium-238. No, there's no such thing as a P-bomb. They seem to think there is. They seem... I do like that they make people say the words P-bomb out loud later. <laughs> Go listen to uh, Bizarre Podcast Space Puppets if you want to hear about an actual P-bomb. That's in episode four. Yeah. <laughs> So Jughead leaves Dilton, and he's like, oh my god, I've heard a story about a palladium bomb before, destroying a small town. It was it was by Brad. Was, Brad wrote a story about this. Yes, yes, he did. What but, did he know? What did he know? And so he goes and he finds it, and we see the cover of it. and it, Great big mushroom cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts to have a daydream about being in school on the day the big one comes for Riverdale. Yes. And... and uh, Professor Doyle runs in and is like, it's, it's, it's time, it's here, the bomb! Everyone's and running and screaming and Jughead just slowly walks up to the window to watch it come. While Cheryl screams, screams at him to get down to, to go for cover. And she's the one that wakes up because his daydream is her nightmare and I like uh, this. Yeah. I think this is fun. It's good. It's good. Uh, so she goes downstairs to get, you know, a little drink. Mm -hmm. uh, and as she's heading back upstairs, she suddenly hears her parents talking in Russian. Speaking in Russian. And she, she slinks and listens to them. And it's subtitled, which, because we're seeing this from Cheryl's point of view, implies she speaks Russian and understands what's being said. This is later shown to not be the case. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but we know that they are talking about how the the motherland is going to see them as heroes, and they're they welcome been... them in, give them cushy government jobs. Yes. Uh, so the next day at school, Archie and Clay and Kevin and a bunch of other dudes are at the Merchant Marines presentation. Yeah, they're they're getting a recruitment show, and the recruiter talks about all the fit young men that that join their organization as Clay. <laughs> Kevin are like, Kevin, yeah. They wink at each other. They wink about the fit young men. They're like, this is a good plan. We figured out a good life. And meanwhile, Archie's like, hey, I got a question. Do we get to, like, get off the boat and, like, see the world? I love the idea that Kevin and Clay would be swingers if there was anyone to swing with. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> totally would. The only thing stopping them from having an open relationship is options like as soon as they invent grinder these guys are wide open you know if they would have brought back joaquin <laughs> we could have had a lovely threesome but no depicted in exhausting detail <laughs> perhaps as a pay-per-view uh but yeah so so the recruiter dude's like uh Fuck no, this isn't a pleasure cruise. You're going to work. <laughs> yeah, there, there's not like a, a shore excursions there, Archie, to, to watch the sunrise in every city of the world. Uh, so Jughead goes to Cheryl and he's like, hey, 
anything weird happening uh, with your family? Uh, Specifically that mine you mentioned. You, you mentioned a weird, creepy mine? Is that, like, close to the maple factory? And she's like, yeah, it's, like, under it. It runs under the, the factory, the groves, the whole thing. And she's like, he's like, okay, Cheryl, here's the deal. Your father's up to no good. I think he's connected to the Melting Man. And those are palladium mines. Like, I know it. Cheryl's like, hey, Juggy Boy, let me stop you there. Uh, what you said about my dad? Quote, he would sacrifice me to a pagan god he worships named Moloch. So you're not wrong. <laughs> also, he speaks Russian. She gives up all the secrets, and Jughead's like, hmm, nice secrets. He's he's meeting with generals. He's speaking Russian uh, uh, secretly. Cool, cool, cool. Give me more secrets. I need to know more. And she's like, okay. Yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> driving, I guess. <laughs> Ethel is in the car practicing her parallel parking as everyone watches on, and she gets very close to a coin. A co- cone and everyone goes <gasps> but she recovers <coughs> she straightens out she she keeps her her resolve and everyone claps they're also supportive they're so supportive they want everyone to get their driver's license evelyn had the flu today <laughs> yes and so miss grundy informs them that they all pass their written and practical exams. And they're all gonna march down to the DMV, all 28 of them, to get their licenses together. They're gonna go on a field trip tomorrow. (laughs) But they need to bring their birth certificate, because, you know, the DMV wants to make sure you're not Russian spies. Ha ha ha. There's a very worried look on on, uh, Ethel's face. I was like, oh no, is she a Russian spy? No, she's not. She's not. She's not. That has nothing to do with it. Uh, So after school, Archie is pounding that rowing machine in the garage. Row it! Row it, Archie! Just in case his assignment is on a Viking longship. Well, he does say, so Frank comes in and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, the merchant marine guy said that every guy rows every day. <laughs> For an hour. I guess on a rowing machine? Because like, what the fuck are they, what type of ship is this? Well, they- you Row! Think, you, row, man, row! Put your backs into it! You think they got the money for treadmills? <laughs> of course it's a rowing machine. It's the 50s. We love this. I just prefer the idea of it being like- a giant ore boat. <laughs> <laughs> so Frank, Frank takes the opportunity to try to be fatherly. He invokes Fred and, and to, to like get through and, and bring Archie's walls down. And he's like, so going to hand you your father's dog tags. Mm-hmm. He would want you to have these. And, you know, he would want you to quit being a merchant marine and instead join the army. Like he did. Like he volunteered to do. Because he was That's a right. real man. He didn't wait for no draft number to come up. He he went for it. Let's just av- totally ignore the fact that like Frank did not serve as a part of this. <laughs> Never going to talk about himself there and like how, no. you know, he didn't join. But of course, Archie Andrews agrees with whoever he spoke to last. Yes. Uh, until the final five minutes of any given episode. So he is swayed. Yes, he was like, ah, yes, I will join the army now. And so uh, we let him stew on that while we go check in with Cheryl. And her great candlestick. The candlestick is back. This is a season one candlestick, I believe. Yes. Yes. So she's snooping around her dad's office. The Crimson Peak scene. Yes, that was season one. And uh, she's checking in his desk. And finds a mining helmet. Very normal. Very normal place to put your miner's helmet. And then the, there's a gust of wind that f- makes the, the flames f- flicker. And she's like, oh, oh, what is this? And she goes and investigates along the walls. And the big ass painting. The, the 12 foot high painting is slides out of place and reveals the milkman chamber. It's a chamber of milkman costumes. You know, you know when you see the bat cave and there's like six different costumes on mannequins. It's that, but it's milkman uniforms. And there's a there's and like there's a like plinth. A... There's there's a pedestal with an empty milk bottle. Well, like the the six pack yeah, milk the bottles. Six... <laughs> yeah, and there's like fancy like ambient lighting. 
<laughs> on the milkman uniforms behind a fucking painting. Cool. Uh, <laughs> this is the old Riverdale. It's totally the old it's- Riverdale. It's so much. We're moving so fast. So uh, Archie the next morning comes down to breakfast wearing the the Fred's tags and Mary getting some waffles from Mama, waffle Mama. And Mary's like, "What the fuck are those?" And he's like, "Oh, Frank gave me uh Dad's tags." And uh, I love the way she just says, "And why would he have done that?" <laughs> it's so flat. She it's so good. Is so pissed. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Frank, you know the boy's an idiot. You, you can't be like this. Can't give him ideas. <laughs> he has enough trouble coming up with his own. You don't, you don't gotta squelch him like this. And so Ethel also goes to Betty, and mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, I am not worried about being Russian, but I don't have my birth certificate. And it's I at- don't want to go into the death house to get it. That would be gross and make me feel bad. And so Betty's like, I will do it for you. It's fine. I don't mind that. And it's true. She, like, doesn't. No, not at all. Uh, so at school, Cheryl grabs Jughead and throws him into the music room. Which brings up certain memories of the old Riverdale. Like, yes. wait a minute. Yes. Wait, a, is Veronica going to have something to say about this? No, no. And she's like, so, you were right about everything. Uh, found a bunch of these and pulls out a milk bottle. A purse full of milk bottles. She's just jangling around town. And she's like, they're also matching uniforms. And Jughead's like, oh my god, the milkman works for your father! Not only that, but the palladium mines are not abandoned. There's active mining. Uh, and so they they, they uh, set themselves a photographic evidence date. Yes. <laughs> um, and so uh, Betty goes to the Muggses. And I am rolling my eyes at how just out of place this whole driving thing is. And they did it for this, just so, like, there's a way for Betty to accidentally fall into the A-plot, she could just be in the A-plot, right? No, this is not that. She's falling into a different plot. <laughs> so so she goes there, she goes to, like, the desk that Ethel thinks maybe it might be at, and she, she pulls out a, a box that's locked. So obviously she takes a hairpin out of her mm-hmm, hair, mm-hmm. pops that lock. It's that old Riverdale. And she finds a lot of uh, uh, bank statements. Yes. From deposits uh, and payments her father made to the Muggses for years. 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 And at the bottom of them is an old picture of Hal holding a little Babo, who is not little Babo Betty. Or Polly. Not little little Babo Polly. It's a different Babo. Who, who is this Babo? Does this one fly? Does this one fly? We never went back to the flying babies! <laughs> no, it got explained as a hallucination. Lies! It is not! <laughs> no, those babies fly. Those babies those fly! Those babies fucking those fly. Those babies are fucking wool devils. They fly. <laughs> So, so yes, this is when I was like, wait a minute, because I expected her to open that case and find more, like, P-bomb shit. <laughs> yes. The, the, the pee is everywhere. That the mugs has got a, a, a milkmaned over. Yeah. Milkmaned. <laughs> they got milkmaned. We know they got milkmaned. I know, I just love it. They I got milkmaned because of the P-bomb. <laughs> I sound like I'm describing, like, a, a, a speed run <laughs> from a small community that has really just in-joke-laden names for all their skips. Um, so, uh, it, it is dinner time at the Andrews household. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mary's like, so, Frank, Archie told me about your talk. <laughs> she is so sick of this shit. <laughs> Uh, and she's like, you fucking used his father to manipulate him, you piece of shit. No, not not a fan. Not a fan of her, her brother-in-law today, no. And she's like, you didn't even serve. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and Archie's just there, like, looking at his mom and then back at Frank and nodding. Because Mary's the last person he talked to. So he is in agreement with Mary. <laughs> and Reggie's just having to sit there through this. <laughs> as the awkward, like, exchange student... 
<laughs> trying to eat his chicken Popeye. I do. I do like Frank's line when he's trying to to hold things together, trying to to like have control over the framing. "Quote: He's on the road to ruin." It's the most po- poetic he can get before he hates himself too. Well, and what I love is it's right after Mary's like, "This is all about poetry." <laughs> it's like he's on his way to ruin. It's poetry. Let me use a metaphor. You like poetry so much in this house. <laughs> And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, we done with this. He's going to decide his own path, and you are going to leave my house. You've overstayed your welcome. She kicks him out, and he decides, okay, I'll go be sad boys with Tom. (laughs) She's like, fine. Who was in this episode for three seconds? Because he shot someone. (laughs) Uh, So Betty comes home to her parents. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. What's these checks? Who this baby? And they're like, oh, well, Mrs. Muggs was our housekeeper. Name the bubbo. <laughs> and Betty's like, mm, never our housekeeper as long as I've been, like, able to remember anything. Mm-hmm, Bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't explain no baby. And, and Hal's like, oh, well, you know, uh, well, when Ethel was born, they asked me to be a godfather. And she's like, Bullshit. No. And Alice is finally just like, Hal, There are stop. such easier lies. Sometimes when your neighbor has a baby, you hold the baby and someone takes a picture. It's not that deep, Betty. There's your lie. (laughs) The end. The end. The end. But no, no, no more lies. The truth comes out. Mrs. Muggs was their housekeeper years ago before Betty would remember. But that ended when Mama Muggs had an affair and got knocked up. By hell. By hell. Ethel is Betty's half-sister. She, he had two ladies pregnant at the same time. That sounds rough. That sounds real fucking rough. For everyone. For everyone. Uh, Alice and Betty have a little heart-to-heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it all comes together for Betty. Uh, uh, Alice's weird hot and cold affection for Ethel. His, her obsession with her, like having the perfect family. Her sex phobia on Betty's behalf. Yes. Can't be thinking about this stuff. You'll get pregnant like your half-sister's mom. Ah. And so the whole whole deal that they had made with the Muggses was like, okay, they'll raise the baby as their own. And I'm kind of like, well, half of it is their own. Yeah, we'll, we'll just pretend uh, it's also Mr. Muggses. Uh, and that Hal would, like, pay them money until she was 16. Which is why the checks ended two years ago. Ah, ah I kind of wish that Hal had any scenes with Ethel ever, I think. There were a couple scenes where he was around, like, at the station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But not anything, really, where they're talking to each other. Right. Like, this is why I think your idea last time about them being, like, split twins, parent-trap twins, sense. makes more sense. Because Alice has been shown to be very concerned about Ethel and interested in and, Ethel. and yeah. And Hal's, like, not around. Hal's just not around. That's your kid! That is your offspring! It makes it weird that, like, Alice is so, like, obsessed with making this work Mm -hmm, and treating mm -hmm. her well when in, like... I can can believe that for Alice, but if this was a plan, I would want some groundwork from Hal as well. Yeah. Hal is totally checked out of this plot that is... As described, about him. He's philandering, not Alice's. Yes. So uh, they're like, okay, well, I love you. You did the best you could. Mm -hmm, It's okay. mm -hmm. We got to get dad back here. We got to tell Ethel. This this is a big point of reconciliation between the Cooper women. Yeah. Yes. So we go to Jughead and Cheryl, who are hiding behind a bush outside the mines. And he's got his big old, hey, extra, extra, read all about it, press uh, camera. And, like, pops up to take a photo in the dark with the biggest flash you've ever seen and, like, no one noticed. Well, he's always shooting off early. Just ask Veronica. (laughs) And so that dude, like, walks away and they, like, run into the mine. Down, down to the mines. What do they see? We'll find out later. Because we cut back to the Cooper house where they've already told Ethel everything. <laughs> I hate 
this sort of thing. Yeah, or we skip the big conversation. It is a great technique for a show like this particular episode where they're cramming way too much stuff in. Yeah. You save time by cutting to what's necessary rather than what might be more dramatically satisfying. Yes. And allowing the characters to have a moment and the actors to have a moment, like, and show their talents and how well they can sell something. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but instead, we cut to the necessary part, which is the fallout and the decisions that come from it. Yeah. And Ethel's like, well, that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, th- things are a little tense, a little awkward. Uh, I do like that Hal doesn't know how to start. And so Alice cuts him off and is like, hey, we want to make things right. We're willing to formally adopt you. Uh, and I love Ethel's line. It's like, I don't want to be your kid. I want to be happy. <laughs> Damn! Okay, you didn't mean it like that, but you said it like that. <laughs> yeah, she wants to be happy and to move on and live her own life and not this bullshit. So over at the Andrews household mm-hmm. next door, uh, Frank is leaving and Reggie's going to get his room. Yeah, this is the most amicable eviction it could have been. Everyone's hugging and saying how much they, they love each other. And, and like, like, he's still invited to family dinner. You just can't be fucking around 24-7, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll see you at practice, coach. Yeah, they're all friends, but the whole, like, surrogate dadding is not working out. And that is what is ending. Yes. And so, you know, he says goodbye to Reggie, he says goodbye to Mary, uh, he gets to Archie, he's like, well, you're gonna be, like, the man of the house, and, and, you know, hope you don't hold anything against me. And Archie's like, you know, writing poetry doesn't make you any less of a man. Some of the most beautiful poems I've read have come from soldiers in the trenches, and maybe that's my path. And, and he glances they- at Mary, and Mary's like, you fucking no. don't do that shit, no. She's shaking no. her head and mouthing, And he's no. like, or maybe not. <laughs> Um, bye. It's so good. <laughs> Mary is going to be on that boy constantly. This is a pretty big Mary episode. <laughs> I lo- I feel like she's going to be following him around, like his little like conscious on his shoulder and being yeah. like, what did someone fucking tell you? She sees no, a recruiter within five miles and she's going to pepper spray them. You stay away. You stay away from my you boy. Stay away. You stay away. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so Jughead and is developing the photos, and Cheryl's there, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Cause she loves to spend time in dark rooms lately." I the guess dark rooms. Did she get lost going to the coffee shop and wound up in the actual dark room again? Maybe. And so, <laughs> where's Tony? She should be developing the pictures. Tony Tony's is, not in this one. Tony is not in this one. Fangs is not in this one. <laughs> I don't even think they were in the classroom scene when we were, like, watching the bomb. Yeah, I I don't think Tony knows how to drive. <laughs> uh, and so Cheryl's like, mm, we should, like, take these to Sheriff Keller. And Jughead's like, nope, we do not know if he's involved. We gotta, like... Jughead does not bring up the, the obvious point. Who do you think covered up Melting Man? Shot him dead in the street and sold it, told everyone a bill of goods. He got... The yeah. radiation, like, uh, a tox report from Dr. Curdle Jr., you don't see that being, like, anyone acting on that. And if this was older Riverdale, he would have said that. He would have made the connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Instead, he's, like, he's just what? like, ah, I, I wouldn't trust him and, and doesn't give any follow Because they don't, they only got 42 fucking minutes. And they got so much shit. And he's like, okay, well, but Veronica, Veronica has contacts at the FBI when her father was investigated. So, like, she'll call them. She takes everyone's business card and keeps it forever. <laughs> you know those, like, Rolodexes? That's what it is she, to be in business. She has 70 of those. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, so this makes Cheryl's, like, ears perk up, and she's like, wait, speaking of Veronica, are you guys, like, an item? <laughs> Not now. We only have 42 and minutes. like, yeah, and she's like, oh, we'll talk about being in over your crown. Oh. Um, uh, and as we but look- it's nice for them to have some friend it's chat. Nice. Have, has that ever happened? I, no, because she's always calling him, like, a hobo. The... The friendliest moment they ever had was when she was planning her own suicide and gave him the spider brooch so he wouldn't be broke. Yes. <laughs> Remember? Remember the 
first season finale. I'll always remember the first this, season finale. This is actually lovely, and I like them, like, going on an adventure together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like Jughead interacting with anyone. Yes. Okay? <laughs> anyone other than a typewriter. Typewriter's or not a person, Jughead. An adult. It doesn't count. It's nice for him to interact with his peers. Frankly, I like Mr. Fieldstone to interact with anyone but Jughead while we're at it. Right. I mean, it's it's great when he talks to Ethel. So as as they're talking, we the camera pans down and we see the photo developing, and it is Jughead standing next to a giant ass bomb. And he's doing like a little bit of a goofy pose with it. Yes. He's like, ah Yeah. Yeah. Over at uh Thornhill, mm-hmm. uh She's having dinner with her family. Big family dinner. Everyone's there. Including the back of Nana Rose's head. And there's a knock on the door, because there are more, perhaps, uninvited guests. It's the G-Men! Yes. There's a whole lot of trench-coated and fedorid men. And uh, Cheryl welcomes them in, and they they come into the dining room. Uh, and we find out, uh, they're like, hey, Clifford, Miriam Blossom. And Penelope Pavlina Novikov Blossom. You are under arrest for treason and and advocacy to overthrow the government. (laughs) So they are fucking arrested. So the rest of the plot is essentially covered in Jughead narrating over shots of relevant action. Yes. So Mayor Blossom was in charge of something called Project Moloch, the development of the P-bomb. How, and he was taking a lot of government funds to, to make such a thing deep in the, the recesses of his palladium mine. Yes, and you know, it's supposed to be for here, but he was going to deliver it to Russia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get that sweetheart deal, become a hero of the Soviet Union. Yes, and uh, F- the FBI got the credit for like catching him, but Jughead's fine with this because he was unraveling the mystery of Brad. Yes. Because uh, Brad knew... Was trying to warn them. Before we get to the mystery of Brad, there is a first season callback that I really hated. Oh, yeah. When they lead Mayor Blossom away, Cheryl says, quote, you did a bad thing, Daddy. The incredible line that I loved so much in the second to last episode of Riverdale's first season when they find out he's the original killer. Yeah. No, no, the callback falls flat. No. Yeah, it doesn't work as well. No, I'm sorry. You you did a bad thing, Riverdale. You did. You did. Yeah. So, uh, Rayberry. Yes. Was trying to warn them through... Through his fiction. Fiction. The only way he knows how. And then Mayor Blossom had his milkman hitman kill him. He got milkmaned. And then... Because Mr. Muggs discovered the Palladium, that's why he got milkmaned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jughead fills Ethel in on all this information. And she's like, wow, closure. I can make some big decisions now. And I'm thinking, you gotta keep going. You have to find the identity of the milkman. You need to get this man off the streets, Jughead! Yeah. You're not done! Because, like, Clifford's <laughs> going to jail and he can still order the milkman to do shit. He'll find a way. He'll come for you. <laughs> ben Button comes in, though, and he's like, hey, love bug, you ready to go? Mm-hmm. And we find out that Ethel is moving to Hollywood. She's going. She She's taking a road trip cross country with her beau. On, I guess neither of them are graduating. Or maybe they graduated early. They're nerds like that. But uh, Veronica has talked to her friend, Peter Roth, and gotten uh, Ethel a job as a storyboard artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is Peter Roth? I know you looked this well, up. Well, Peter Roth was indeed a studio boss. He ran a, a Warner Television for a, a long period of time, uh-huh. starting in 1999. <laughs> At the time this television episode is set, he would be five years old. Just a real wonder kid. Uh, well, if it's Warner, so WB that then became the CW? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, he, okay. One of the shows he developed, he, he championed Riverdale in its early years ah, in the company. Ah. Which is why he's honored with this name drop. But also, you might remember him playing himself-ish 
uh, in the ninth episode of the season when Veronica couldn't get any studio to send her their films. Uh, and there was that one studio boss who's trying to support her. Yeah. Her friend, Peter Roth. Yes. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. 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 He's also... Uh, Named by uh, um, Ruby Rose in her uh, uh, description of, like, abusive set practices, which is why she left Batwoman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So not necessarily good. uh, Not an unblemished legacy, to say the least. No. Well, Ethel says her goodbyes to Alice, to Veronica, Betty, who Betty's like, you know, make sure you send me your address. I want to come visit you this mm-hmm. summer. And Jughead. And then it's to Jughead and they have a really nice little hug. Yeah. It's a and- nice big goodbye of everyone who was like important to her. Except Dilton. Uh, ex- yeah. <laughs> except Mr. Fieldstone and what's his name? The, the, the assistant. Who I thought was going to be the milkman for a while, but he's not. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a nice little moment between those people and yes, Jughead. Yes. Who, you know. I just kind of wish Dilton was going to... Dilton was on these filming days. Just, just Where's Dilton? I don't know. I don't know. But she, she goes off with Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, and color finally returns. And that car is so pretty in color. It's this banana yellow. It's so nice. And Jughead's narration comes back that Ethel was the first of them to go and leave Riverdale behind, but there would be others soon. Mm-hmm. And a great big The End draws itself across the street screen. Very, very I Love Lucy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Except in color. Yeah. Yeah. So, darling, that that is the episode. That is the episode. That is an episode that, that seems to have been made with uh, uh, someone coming to the office and saying, hey... Uh, we want the last two episodes to end the show. We need to end every running plot of the season at the same time. <laughs> Seriously. Like, so much fucking shit just happened. It's the most procedural, it's the most functional show. And I appreciate, I appreciate that they dress it up in uh, uh, this presentation, this be- being presentational. Yeah. Which I think, like, is the only way this really, like, it's how you can make it work. And especially, like, kind of this old Riverdale of this happens, this happens, these things, mm-hmm. these crazy things are going on, is to make it kind of this this take of it in black and white. Because it is very different than how, like, Riverdale episodes have been this season. Yeah, yeah. I think the the title cards at the beginning, putting you in the mindset of the compilation uh, episodes yeah. of the the anthology episodes, yes, and so like you you have that association, so you know oh this one's going to be a bit goofy, this one's going to yes. be a bit extra, a bit over the top, yeah, and it's it's not one of those. It's a normal structured episode, and everything in it seems to be fully canonical, <laughs> but you accept that they're going back to closer to what Riverdale was and not what Riverdale is with that dressing, yeah. Gregory Smith, you cracked the code. You did it. Good job, Ephraim. You did it. Good job. (laughs) Now play the piano. (laughs) Do it real good. Play the piano real pretty. Go get mad at your dad. Is this the first Gregory Smith episode after the passing of Treat Williams? I think so. I think it is. Yeah. And also the other guy. I I realized when I saw like an immemorium recently from like Golden Globes or whatever. Right, yes. That... Two main cast members from Everwood passed away last year, mm-hmm. which is sad, <laughs> very sad. And we are the experts to talk about teenage drama. Yes, yes, yes we are. We knew Chris Pratt before people liked him, which is in turn before people hated him. Yes, yes, yes. we were there. Yeah, yeah. You more than me. I'm kind of stealing yes. your your Everwood uh, valor. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, John Beasley is the other one John that Beasley, passed away. Yes, because I was telling you you didn't remember him. Oh, I don't remember him from Everwood, but he's been in a million he's things. He's been in a billion different, you know, Definitely. shows and TV shows. He did a lot of like Broadway. I believe the best kind of actor you can be is he was in the Mighty Ducks. He was- when someone sees your face and they go. Oh, but you'd never recognize their name in a million years. That's yeah. the perfect actor. Yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah, he passed away in May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Treat 
William has passed away in June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to get back to the question. Yes. I think this episode did what it had to do very ably in a very entertaining way. I don't like all the answers it came up with. Yeah. I don't like that it had to do all the things it had to do. I think that might be a failure of planning. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Which is, like, didn't they went into this season knowing how many episodes it was going to be. So it's a little like, why did you plan it this way? And I can't, none of those problems feel like, oh, this was during, this was filmed during writer's strike problems. I don't think that's the the problems. No. No. (laughs) No. But hey, Ephraim Brown, you did as much as you could do. (laughs) Good job. What do you think of this episode, dear? Um... Yeah, there's, like, things that they decided to do that, like, not my favorite. But it was a really fun episode to watch. Yes. It's so fun. Very it was fun. fun to talk about. Like, I it, love having Jughead at the center of a mystery again. Yes. And, like, pulling in a character that he doesn't interact with that much. Also having him, like, interact with other people. That's great. It's really great to have a shot of early season feel in the final three, yeah, right, because you know the 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 next one and certainly the one after is going to be a lot of like graduation song by by vitamin C. It's yeah. just the vibe the whole time. You just know it's going to be. Yeah, so I love that. I love having like the mystery. I loved like seeing Cheryl off on her own, mm-hmm. especially like mm-hmm. I love Tony, but like yeah. it's so Cheryl Tony focused. It's nice to see her go do something and have yes. it not be woe is me, but like, yes. I'm going to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, and it, it does recognize that you did a bad thing, Daddy, was such a powerful moment for that. Yeah. It's just like, just, no, no. Well, the intensity of it's not there for it. Right, yeah. right. It's like every other time someone says, I've got a bad feeling about this in Star Wars. Like, yeah, I, I recognize the thing. Yeah. N- no, no. Yeah. Please stop. And like Mary. Mary was amazing. Great Mary moments. Like, so there was... Just shaking her head no is so good. <laughs> All time Mary Andrews moment. And I do like like the, the stylized heightened you know yeah aspect yeah. like i re- i did really enjoy this episode do i think that some of the plot stuff was treated maybe the best way and how i would have liked them to spend time on stuff no there's a dangerous killer at large you should care you should care but it was really fun it was really fun <laughs> and i was just like oh i felt like i had whiplash watching i was like oh my god it just keeps going <laughs> We never pause for a breath. That's the way it used to be. That That's is. the way it used it to just, be. It ran so full steam ahead. <laughs> like, my God, this is why we made this for seven years. I mean, this episode really goes to show why nearly every season seven episode we've been talking like, wow, so this is what it's like if Riverdale is a normal show. Mm-hmm. Like, this goes to show, like, yeah, I, my memories were not wrong. <laughs> it used to be like this. It used to be like this. It used every, to be like this every week. all the time, or more so. <laughs> yeah. This this show needed someone like a Roberto who's able to do like strong characterization in less than a second, because that's all the time there was for it. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go. Uh, I think I think it's interesting and and even a little odd to see a story about like long established comic characters dealing with the threat of nuclear annihilation mm-hmm. and not have a Watchmen thing happening. Mm-hmm. I expected a Watchmen reference if they were more focused on that the bomb. The bomb itself yeah. and this, like, the scare. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. But this was moving far too fast. Right, to take right. take time. Hey, Watchmen also starts with the bomb and moves to a murder mystery. So, there, hey. True. Mm. True. But but I guess that connection is, is stronger for those who remember that Alan Moore's original pitch was not to DC Comics, 
but to Archie Comics using their superhero lineup from from like the pre-Archie days mm-hmm. when, when they were still MLJ. Yeah. I know the deep lore. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, now is when we would have predictions, but they they did it. I mean, they did all the thing. We we found out the the dark family secret of the Coopers. We found out is, is a sibling. I would like to point a, out it's yes. a sibling. I would have been. I was a little off with my twins, but sibling. You were you were there. I, this, I was this there. This is a big one. This counts. Also, I'm pretty positive. I said the sex hole could come back in this episode mm-hmm. if we're focused on bombs. So so yeah, so, that that plot high. closed. What is the mayor colluding with all the other like powers that be in town to cover up? Now we know. He was building a P-bomb. Does the principal know? What's going on with the Milkman murders? Now we know. Who did it? Now we don't care. Don't. Like, <laughs> so, so, yeah, what is there to predict? Just what's left? Victory tour. Victory lap. That's what's left. It's going to be two full episodes of, like... The end of an 80s movie where the little thing comes up and tells you where are they now. I mean, we do have, like... Do you think they're going to face down Angel Tabitha and and fight racism? Are we going to fight racism? No. (laughs) Uh, But we do have, like, are we going to address Tabitha? Are we going to address the fact that we've, like, gone back in time to avoid... A comet. A comet. A, are, a like, great are big we, comet. Are we gonna... Powered by racism. <laughs> like, I don't know. Why is the comet racist? <laughs> okay. The comet's not racist. It was sent by a racist wizard. <laughs> it's just effective. It's not inherently racist. It's effectively racist. <laughs> okay, so what if... <laughs> Here we go. So what if... Uh, our good buddy Edgar Evernever <laughs> is out there in space like Marco Anaris, <laughs> wielding racist comets at no. Riverdale. Excuse me. He would have New Age comets. They would be Orientalist. N- not as Jim Crowy as as uh, Percival Pickens' racism. <laughs> Okay, so maybe it's Percival Pickens up there. Okay. Arguing. <laughs> I just want Edgar to come back. But fine, it can be Percival. Maybe it's Percival up there. Uh-huh. Marco and Nara scene, chucking comets mm-hmm. that are full of racism. <laughs> I'm very curious why the comets have to be full of racism to the point that you would take Percival instead of the actual spaceman we have. Because you said it's racist So it needs to have someone who's more racist because you said the comet is powered by racism. Only because Percival said it in the first place. Then why can't I have Edgar? You can. He would send less racist comets and therefore better. Maybe he's I'm... sending less racist comets to break up the racist comet. Oh, as an anti-racist comet. Yes, it's the comment defense system against racist. Just saying, just saying. This is, I'm, you know, it's not fully thought out. I'm just thinking about it, trying to make a prediction happen. And this is why shows need to end sometimes. <laughs> Chad Michael Murray is coming to see to issue this year. I could present him with my theory. Because there comes a day when, you know, it's Canada, it's British Columbia, I don't know what all is legal up there, but we're having a party, and someone says, what if we make a a racist wizard? (laughs) And then you just have a racist wizard. (sighs) I love this show. (laughs) I love this show with my whole heart. Oh, man. So anyhow, let's talk about what we know is coming next time on chapter 136, The Golden Age of Television. This is not named for a movie, as far as I know. I think it's just named after a thing people say about television. Yeah. Yeah. So we are told they're at a turning point. There is a school prep rally. There is cheerleading. 
there, a lot of people are talking about how it's an end, it's a beginning, it's blah, blah, blah. There, There's a lot of vague stuff about how things are very important right now. And Tabitha is back. And Jughead starts talking like he's remembering some future things. Maybe. Maybe he's remembering it, other things. It seems like maybe we are being shown stuff on a TV. It looks like they're watching Riverdale on Riverdale. Yes. Which was also season four, but never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yes. And that's what we know. Jellybean was making fake snuff films with her friends. <laughs> Very normal. Uh, yeah. So, darling, we got two episodes left. We do. That's it. Just two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's... It's, it's coming to an end. Close. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. My favorite song. It's your favorite song. My favorite song. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Semi Sonic has a great new CD. I'm just gonna say their new CD is great. They have a song on it that I absolutely love. Uh-huh. People who think like, oh my gosh, that's just like a band from the 90s. No, they are making shit now, and it's great. He also wrote "Someone Like You" for Adele, and I like his performance better. There you go. There you go. You need to stop like. Go check out their new CD. He's written a lot of really huge songs for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had, like, an intense career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But newer, newest album, and newest, like, I came out, I don't even know if it came out this year. It might have been two years ago. But it's great. Anyhow, it was so good to talk so fast about so much. So much. <laughs> so much. And if you want to feel that same feeling, why don't you talk to a friend about the show. Tell them about uh, it. Share with them, huh? Uh, uh. You can also talk to us uh-huh. by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to us. That's right. Or, talk to us through Apple Podcasts. Or by following us on Twitter. Make the five-star rating box your chat room. Use it to communicate with your handlers from communist nations across the sea. And you can just, like, leave us... Multiple ratings and reviews. Because you really got to talk to your communist handlers from nations across the sea. Yes. 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 You can also do that on Twitter, at sex underscore Archie. It's the only thing it's good for these days. Pretty much. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie... I'd be in a refrigerator... where they keep the milk he <laughs> loves the refrigerator is is kevin the milkman kevin wishes he was the milkman it's he, his dream does he job wish he could milkman people oh my god what if him and clay roleplay milkman he get too busy just drinking the milk he <laughs> loves it he love a milk well that's why clay would be the milkman and kevin would drink it up he's bringing what kevin needs uh-huh I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> <laughs>